Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. There's a, there's a praise that the quantity of people has nothing to do with the quality of the worship. Amen. And that has everything to do with, with you and uh, the words that we sing and uh, the way that we focus on God. So let's do that this morning. We'll start our service with a song. We're going to sing Nothing Left of Me. Sacrifices, brokenness, a heart that's full of tenderness. Come and break me, Lord, to seek you in your righteousness, to find you in your holiness. Come and take me, Lord, that I can learn to trust you in every way to love you. Strip away all that remains for your glory and your name Till there's nothing left of me Burn the kingdoms I have made that you would shine and I would fade Till there's nothing left of me The Spirit is the only one that conforms me to your Son Amen. And I pray that if you sing that, that that's what you truly mean. Asking God to come in and just strip all the things that are not of Him away so that you can focus totally on Him. Amen? That's what we should do on a daily basis, guys. Good to see everybody this morning. If you weren't able to make it to Sunday school this morning, we had a great Sunday school class today. And I look forward to what God's about to do now in our worship service as well. So open your hearts today. Allow this Holy Spirit to move. We're studying about that in the book of Acts. The Holy Spirit will give you utterance. It will give you the, the, the wherewithal and the understanding to be able to sing out and study and, and, and be what God's called you to be. But you've got to get out of the way and let Him do it. Amen? I mean, he could, he could force Himself, but He chooses not. He'd rather you get out of the way and say, Father, here I am. Mold me and make me the things You would have me to be. So I pray that's our prayer this morning as we go to the Lord now. Father God, I just praise You and thank You for this opportunity we have to gather together in Your house. And God, I pray that we will open ourselves to be moldable, malleable in your mighty hands. Focus, we, I pray that we focus on who you are and what you are to the point that when we leave this place today, that we don't just say that we got our card punched, that we made it to church, but we can leave this place acknowledging the fact that you are not only God, you are our Lord and our Savior as well. May your will be done in the hearts of your people, and may we speak, say, do, touch, whatever it is, 
only what you tell us to this day. And may your name be glorified, and may your people be edified, Father. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. Like I said, it's good seeing everybody this morning. Walk around a second, shake somebody's hand, and just tell them it's good to see them in God's house today. gather back to our seats this morning. Just a few announcements today, then I'm going to turn it over to Bob for our scripture reading. But a few announcements, first of which is the, um, uh, well actually uh, let me just jump to the fall festival. Fall festival is coming, we're getting close to that. As you know we kind of got a late start on our candy, candy gathering. If you've never been to one of our fall festivals, this is an incredible event, it's probably our Second largest outreach, probably the largest outreach one night anyway. Um, people come from all over. But one of the things we always want to make sure of is that we have enough things to hand out to show the, the kids and the families that Satan doesn't have a corner on the market. So I want to encourage you, if you haven't been already bringing candies and such, we need to get on top of that. So if you're at Walmart this week or HEB or something and it crosses your mind, just run and grab a uh, you know, a couple dollars for a bag of sour candies or a, or the little mini candy bars, whatever it may be. But grab something, uh, something small, but let's work on this candy run. Also, 
That being said, we always feed a lot of folks that night, and everything's free for everybody. That means we, we rely on donations. There's a list in your bulletin. I want to encourage you to go down that list. These are things that if you'd like to donate those, maybe you have uh, something against donating candy because it's bad for kids' teeth or something. Maybe you might want to donate the hot hamburger buns or hot dog buns or whatever's on that list. But primarily, most of all, be in prayer. Be in prayer. Be praying that God's will be done. Also, too, this is a day that the world likes to try to say that it's Satan's day. Every day is a day the Lord hath made, and I can and will rejoice and be glad in it. Therefore, though the world may try to think it's tricked, Satan, tricked the people into that Satan's day, it's still God's day. Therefore, we can take it and redeem it and show the world. Regardless of what Hollywood says, my God owns this day just as every other. Amen? And we'll do that as a body of believers, as a church group together. Um, so that, that candy and those other things, that, that's the primary thing I wanted to point out. And then there's the cakewalk donations. And the other thing I was going to mention, I, I'm going to let Miss Carla come on up, and she's going, to, she's going to talk to you a little bit about it. to 
ostracized a bunch because of a few. We need to pray for all of our youth, all of our young people, pray for our country, but also know that it, if we, how can we expect our young people to continue to pray if they do not see us as examples praying for them? So if we want our next generation and the following generation to make a difference, then let's start by making a difference in their lives in prayer together now. Amen? So that's very important. All right. Yes, ma'am. For what? The no. Uh, we're, we have a huge crowd outside. Um, it, you haven't been to one, but it, it, it would be a, it's a madhouse out there. I can have a fire out there anyway. But uh, no, they usually have a. Uh, the kitchen ladies always have it well organized with. Um, Hot dogs and popcorn and nachos and such. Yeah, they, they already got it laid out. Give it Miss Carla or Sherry or maybe Miss Sheila. I'm not sure. Oh, there, there's a list on in the bulletin. Yeah, there's um, cups, plates, forks, Fritos, nacho, cheese, chili, hot dog buns, nacho chips, candy, candy, candy. Uh, so, uh, and cakes, pies, and cookies for the cakewalk. All right. Well, that's enough of that. I'm going to ask Bob to come up, and Bob's got a message for us today, he said, so he's going to share. Father God, I just thank you for my brother, Lord, and just uh, pray that you just give him the strength and the will to, to open the word and share what you have him to share this day, and may we hear, not Bob, but hear you through Bob. Bless him and his family, Lord, and I praise you for his willingness to share with us. In Jesus' name, amen. In Detroit won last week, so you should feel good. <laughs> yeah, they play the, the Super Bowl champions today. <laughs> Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> Bless the Lord. Um, this is just something that the Lord spoke to me um, while I was studying, and I wanted to share it with you guys. And if I may just set the, the stage, um, shortly after Lot and Abraham separated in the book of Genesis, around uh, chapter 14, there was a pretty powerful king in that region called Kedor Lamor. Uh, we'll just call him Ched for short because that's a mouthful. But um, Ched, um, it's spelled with a C-H, so I call him Ched. He, uh, he was a powerful king in the Valley of the Dead Sea, and he had several kings that were under, under his uh, kingdom that actually paid tribute to him. And when he went out on slaycation to increase his borders, he went out like slaying all these guys trying to get them to come under his submission uh, Five of the kings that were under him that paid tribute to him rebelled against him in his own backyard. And uh, the, they, 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 they did a pretty good job of uh, standing up against him, but uh, they couldn't stand when he came back. He was pretty furious. So he took those, those uh, five kings out. But the problem was Lot was also there, Abraham's nephew Lot. And uh, Abraham took only 318 men that were trained in his own house. And he set out after that king to get Lot and Lot's possessions back. And uh, Abraham was victorious. It was like a huge victory. And when Abraham was coming back on, uh, in chapter 14 in the book of Genesis, it says, After Abraham returned from defeating Kedor Leomor and the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom went out to meet with him in the valley of Sheva, that is, the king's valley. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine, he was the high priest of God Most High, and he blessed him and said, Abram is blessed by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth, and give praise to God Most High, who has handed over your enemies to you. 
and Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. So I want to stop right there. Melchizedek was the high priest, and when he revealed himself to Abraham, when he came out and met Abraham on the road, Abraham gave him a tenth of the spoils, a tenth of everything that he had. Um, I like this scripture a lot because it, it reminds us of a, of a principle that we're supposed to still follow today about giving a tenth, the tithe unto God. And Abraham gave his tenth to Melchizedek as God's high priest. And there are a lot of people that say there's nothing in the Bible that says that we should tithe in the New Testament. A lot of people bring that up. People that don't want to tithe, they say there's nothing that talks about tithe in the New Testament. But if you look into this, there is a real strong tie because in Psalms 110, verse 4, I like the Old Testament. Uh, I like the, uh, the Old King James Version that says, God made a promise and an oath. He said, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. And he was talking to Jesus. He was talking about Jesus. And Jesus used that same chapter, that same scripture reference, when he was actually um, reasoning with the Pharisees to prove that he was the son of God. He said, who, who, who is the Messiah? Is he the son of David or the son of man? And, and they said, he's the son of David. And he said, then why does God say, sit by my side until I make your enemies my footstool? That, Jesus in that same chapter is revealed as the son of God. And he's promised to be a, a, king, a, a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. So if Abraham the patriarch and author kind of of our faith that we look forward to, paid 10% of what he had to Melchizedek as the high priest. Shouldn't we be more than willing to give 10% of what we have to Jesus, our high priest? Let's look at Hebrews. We're going to look at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to the confession for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tested in every way as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us at the proper time. So we have a high priest that is much greater than Melchizedek in the order of Melchizedek. And Adam, that great man that we know who was a very prominent man in the in the basically the patriarch of our faith, he gave ten percent to Melchizedek as high priest on earth. We should be more than willing to give our ten percent to our high priest Jesus. It says later in um, chapter chapter seven of Hebrews, when Paul was talking about Melchizedek, his very name Melchizedek literally translates to King of Righteousness. King of Righteousness. That's what his name means. And his position was the king of Salem, which literally translates to king of peace. King of righteousness and king of peace. Do you see the parallels between Jesus and Melchizedek? And Paul brought those to light, too. He said that Jesus was a priest forever, as promised in the book of Psalms 110, verse 4. You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. So this great high priest, he said in chapter 7, to consider how great this man was, Melchizedek, to whom Abraham, the patriarch, gave a tenth of the plunder. The sons of Levi who received the priestly office have a commandment according to the law to collect the tenth from the people, that is, from their brothers, though they have also descended from Abraham. But one without this genealogy or lineage collected tithes from Abraham and blessed the one who has the promises. So Jesus, a lot of people say, 
um, Jesus can't be our high priest because he doesn't have the lineage, the Levite, um, the Levite lineage that the high priest had. But Jesus was called a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek, and I think that's awesome. And I think that there's several applications we can take from that into our life today. And one of the, one of the ones that stands out to me is uh, that, that blessing that we have in tithing. Um, remember in Malachi 3, 8 through 11, it talks about uh, would a man rob God? And yet you ask, how, how have we robbed you? You robbed me in tithes and offerings. And he said, and it has a great promise, bring all the tithes and offerings into the storehouse and see if I won't bless you with a blessing that you won't be able to contain, right? Awesome. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we just thank you for the opportunity to hear from your word, Lord God. And we thank you for the opportunity to give back unto you some of what you blessed us with. And I just pray that you'd um, move the hearts of your people to um, be faithful in tithes and offerings, Lord God, that you might bless us and bless our church and bless each family and each person who does that, Lord God, according to your promise. And thank you for the opportunity to hear more from your word in allowing us to praise and worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Sometimes you get uh, a lot of spiritual milk uh, at church and Sunday school and stuff like that. Well, that was a freaking T-bone steak right there. That was awesome. It might be a little tough to chew on, but my, my head's still spinning. And I was like, oh, that's good stuff right there. Uh, and now I'm hungry. <laughs> anyway, we're going to continue in song this morning. Uh, we're going to sing At the Cross. Savior bleed and did my sovereign die? Would he devote that sacred hand for such a worm as I? At the cross, at the cross where I first saw light and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight and
God, we are who we are because you are the Heavenly Father. May we truly look to you and become what you have us to this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Give God the glory this morning. Praise the Lord. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23. We're going to look at a passage of Scripture that, that many of us have, have looked at previously. 
passage of Scripture that we need to focus on a little bit more. None? No, 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 no. Nora. Go to Mama. There we go. All right. Okay. When they start crying for the singing and not the pastor, the pastor starts getting a little nervous. <laughs> All right. You may may have to take her and go to the nursery. We okay, baby? Nor. There we go. Okay. As you're looking at Luke chapter 23 there, I want us to draw to mind, if you can remember, actually, Bob, you want to go ahead and put that on the screen? This is Rembrandt's painting. It's called The Three Crosses. I don't know if you've seen it before. It's a very famous painting. It's a, a, a very religiously important painting, I guess you could see. But the thing that I think that you're drawn to, first of all, when you look at the painting, of course, is Jesus being on that center cross. That's where Jesus died. That's the, that's the focal point of that drawing. I'm looking at it back there, but you see it right here. Jesus is in the center. He's drawn a little more darker than everything else. And, and Rembrandt intended Christ to be the focal point of that picture there. Well, then you look around and you see the crowd that's gathered around at the foot of Jesus. And as you're looking at that crowd, if you could really hold this picture in your hand and you can uh, Google it as we did, you can find it online. But you would see that, on that in that crowd there's all kinds of various facial expressions. He purposely put all kinds of, of different things on the faces of the people who were there, these people who were uh, guilty, if you will, of that awful crime, of that crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And we were studying our Sunday school class just this morning and and Peter is speaking to them and basically letting them know that those lawless ones who crucified him are going to be held accountable. They did, even though they didn't catch God by surprise, he knew what was going to happen. These people still had all kinds of angst in them and, and all kinds of ugliness when they did this. Well, Rembrandt captured all that, and then we see the soldiers that, that are there on their horses and things of that nature. But what I really wanted to draw your attention to, and Bob kind of drew a red circle around it. You can't sit, oh, okay, you can blow it up. Good deal. You can kind of see to the side over here, this man that's sitting on the, the, the sidelines, dressed a little differently, dressed more modernly than those who were at the crucifixion. Art critics say that that is Rembrandt himself, that he painted himself into the picture, and they believe that he did that because he recognized that it was his sin that helped nail Jesus to the cross. And, and that's the whole reason why he included himself. Obviously, he was not there at that time. But he understood that because of his sin, this had to transpire. So he painted himself into this very famous painting. Now, I share that this morning, and, and that's all I needed it for, Bob, was just to kind of illustrate Rembrandt caught hold of that, and we should as well. But unfortunately, I think the cross oftentimes becomes just something uh, we take for granted. We look at the cross where Jesus died and, and say, oh yeah, that's the cross. And we move on. 
or we'll see crosses outside of a church and say, oh yeah, we just move on. Or people will wear it as jewelry. And, and we look at the cross and we see the cross. And in the back of our minds, we have the story of the cross. But do we really insert ourselves such as Rembrandt did in that painting? Do we really recognize? Because there are a lot of things we can learn from the message there at the cross. The longer, you know, I said this in Sunday school just this morning. The more I study something in the scripture, the more I mature in the word of God, the more spiritually mature I become, the more the Holy Spirit seems to open to me. It could be something that you, we, we think we have a, a, a rather extensive knowledge of and understanding of, and yet when we read it, the Holy Spirit moves in and gives us a little bit more, a little more depth than what we already knew. And I think that's the way it is about the cross. I think that if we could study and meditate upon the, 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 the cross in the Bible, we, we, we could never run out of stories. I think God would continually reveal things unto us. I think he would continually open up our minds to more and more layers that happened in that story. I think a person could study about the cross all their lives and possibly still not uncover everything there is to know, everything there is to, that is, is relayed about life, death, and eternity. See, Christ spoke volumes through what transpired that, that day, that, through that cross through the things that transpired around that cross. So this morning, that's what I'd like us to do. I want us to, to take a few moments today and look at the cross where Jesus died. And you're going to say, well, I've done that. We do that every Easter. I've looked at the cross, this, that, and the other. But this is what the Lord laid in my heart. I want us to look at the cross again, because I think that as we examine the cross and look at what it's relating to you and I, there's going to be something there that's going to touch your life or mine. There's things there that continually jump off the page. So I'm just going to grab a few of them this morning that I feel as I've got laid on my heart that we can learn from the cross, from this scene that we just saw Rembrandt painted here, and that we're going to read about in Luke 23. But in Luke 23, starting in verse 35. Luke 23, starting in verse 35. And we'll look at what's been revealed here. It says, The people stood, and even the leaders kept scoffing. He saved others, let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the Chosen One. The soldiers also mocked him. They came offering him sour wine and said, If you are the king of the Jews, then save yourself. An inscription was above him, This is the king of the Jews. Then one of the criminals hanging there began to yell insults at him, Aren't you the Messiah? Then save yourself and us. But the other one answered, rebuking him, Don't you even fear God, since you are undergoing the same punishment? We are punished justly because we're getting back what we deserve for the things that we did. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, this is Jesus speaking to the thief on the cross. I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. Now, there's a lot to glean from that passage of scripture. And we've read that passage many a times. I like what Oswald Chambers says. If you if you've never never read his writings, you, you ought to go look him up. But Oswald Chambers, he has, he has one saying, he says, all of heaven is interested in, in the cross of Christ. And all of hell is scared or afraid of the cross of Christ. While men are the only beings who are more or less ignored. Do you hear that? All of heaven is interested. All of hell is afraid, yet human beings are more or less ignore the meaning of it. How sad, but how true that is. 
We should be looking into that cross just as the heavens looked into it. When the angels looked down and saw the plan of God and saw Christ hanging on that cross, they, they were mortified. That is the Son of God that's dying there. Those within hell, they're looking up and, and they're saying, man, he is going to enact the plan of salvation so people can spend eternity with God the Father. And There's not anything we're going to be able to do about this. But yet man walks by the cross and says, yeah, whatever. And we don't really focus on it. Guys, there's a lot of things there that we could understand if we would look to the cross that could be revealed onto you and I. And that's what I want us to look at. I pray that we don't become a people that ignore the cross. And when I say ignore it, I'm not saying we talk bad about it. No, we probably wouldn't do that. But when we start flippantly wearing it as jewelry or flippantly wearing it on a T-shirt or just we see a cross, say, oh yeah, that's just a cross. There's problems there. When we look at the cross, we should stop and say, that is the cross that my... Not the cross, but that represents the cross that my Savior died on. Now, what are some of the things that can be revealed? First of all, as we saw in the painting, and it saw right off the bat here, it reveals this crowd of doubters. When we look at that, that illustration, when we look at what's being given to you and I, when Luke printed this, he made sure to put out that there was a whole lot of doubters. As Jesus hung on that cross, he's hanging there, and he's hurting. He says there was many people on the ground looking up to Jesus, who doubted who he was. They were looking up to him and saying, well, if you are this, we see the rulers of the day, they doubted. If you are this Jesus, we see the soldiers doubted. If you are the Messiah, then, then come down off that cross. If you are who you say that you are, then come down from there. Now, the same, unfortunately, kind of thinking exists today, and not just in the world, but in our church. There's people who walk all around the cross, they go all around. They read about the cross. They hear preachers proclaiming the cross. They look at Jesus on the cross. We, we can see it in, in illustrations and in books and on TV. And they, they always are looking at the cross and Jesus and the ramifications thereof, and the, the, him being the savior of the world. But they stop and they look just like those people did that were walking all around and saying, well, if you really are, then give me proof. People within the churches today look up at the cross and say, well, if you really are the Messiah, then do this. Then do that. If you really are who you say you are, then come down off the cross. They want Jesus to prove himself by coming down from the cross. But I would submit to you this morning, folks, that to me, Jesus proved who he was because he did not come down off the cross. The very fact that he chose to stay on that cross shows he is who he said he was. The very fact that he said, I will hang in anguish and pain and agony. If Jesus had removed himself from the cross, he would have not been the savior of the world. If he had not carried out the plan until fruition, until the death, if he had not done what God the Father called him to do, then he would not have been the Messiah. He would not have been our savior. He would not have been the Christ. If you are here this morning and, 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 and you are in that doubting crowd, if you are still saying, well, I want proof, I want, I want you to show me somehow, I want you to know that Jesus could have got down off that cross. He could have given them the proof they wanted by coming down off that cross. But if he had done so, we would not have salvation today. God knows. The reason that, 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 that we are here today is, is because God, uh, and, and worshiping today because we know he hung on that cross. Those folks that were wanting him to come down, they didn't know who he was. They were filled with unbelief. They were like, I just don't know who he can be. If you're still doubting that Christ hung upon that cross 
but yet you say you walked the aisle when you were a kid or a teenager or something like that and accepted him, I'm going to say there's a problem here. Because he said, whoever believes that I am the Son of God and that I died and was rose again, that I resurrected. In other words, you're saying, he's telling you, if you believe that I hung on that cross and did not come down, then you can be one of mine. But if you are still doubting that, then there's a problem here. For by faith you have not been saved because your faith's not in me. That crowd of doubters, there was rulers, there was, there was soldiers, there was the, the, just the witnesses hanging out down there. They doubted him and told him to come down, but he said, nope, I'm going to stay right here. If you want to know who Jesus is, then you have to come to him. If you want to know who Jesus is, you go to him and, and believe he is whom he says that he is. In Hebrews 11.6, it says, But without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is who He said He is, the rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. In other words, you have to know what He is, who He is, and by faith say, this is my Lord. You want salvation? It is more than just saying a cute prayer. It is more than saying an emotional prayer. It is more than just having the music right and the mood right and being... being uh, uh, moved around and manipulated into saying the right words. You have to believe in your heart that he who hung on that cross over 2,000 years ago on the hill of Calvary, as like Bob said, became our high priest by dying and rising again and not sinning in those 33 and a plus years, but by rising again with that sacrificial blood and that glorified body, he became our Messiah. You must believe that or you are not his. Period. You have to listen to that. All of us who come on to Jesus, all of us who, who bow a knee to Him, all of us who, who truly say He is our Lord must trust in Him and Him alone to save us. We shouldn't need the signs to tell us, well, I, I, I'll accept you, Lord, but you've got to come down off the cross. You've got to show me this, show me that. Praise God He did not come off that cross that day. He could have proved he was Lord, but he chose to stay because he knew better than we do. Folks, I'm going to tell you this morning that he knows better than you and I, and if we will just put our faith in him and accept him and do as he has so called us to do, it is then that great and wonderful blessings such as salvation for all eternity can take place. If he had come down off that cross, yeah, there might have been a few people say, man, maybe he is somebody. But we wouldn't have eternal grace. We wouldn't have that sacrificial blood. Another thing it reveals, that cross, that story there, is a correct description of what's going on there. Ed M. Griffin in his book, The Mind Changers, that wrote an a article one time, or it was actually the results of an experiment. Uh, you can go look this up. It's called The Mind Changers. You'll learn, if you ever went to a psychology class, oh, Bob probably knows this story, actually. But there was a, a test that was given to a bunch of, of uh, it was a group of white, middle-class New York business people and the test was they were given they were shown this picture and it was a subway scene and there's everybody uh, getting on and off the subway and there's all these people in the subway and there's people right at the the front there's two people that are right at the the forefront two men if you will and these two men are standing there one is white one is black one's in a business suit one's in a a, a blue collar you know uniform workman's overalls type thing one was giving his money to the other who is threatening him with a knife. Now this is the picture that's presented to them. And then later they are asked, so what did you see? Well, in reality, the black man wore the business suit. And he was being robbed 
by the white man that was in the working overalls. So this picture, though, didn't square with them. They, they, they couldn't get that. Because in their mind, they said, uh, well, you know, white men are usually executives. Black men usually wear blue collar. Blacks are robbers. Whites are executives. So even though they looked at the picture and had time to look at the picture, later on when they were asked, what was that picture of? Everyone, oh, no, excuse me, one did not. 99% of them said it was a black man robbing a white man that was in the suit. Because that's where their mind was. They couldn't change their idea. They reported what their mind told them they saw rather than what they really saw. And I share that story with you for this reason. I think sometimes, as human beings, we desperately want to to be right. We want everything to be consistent and untroubled with our way of thinking. And when something's presented to us that challenges the way we think, we will go to great extremes to try to make that not real. We will go to great lengths in our, in our mind to reject a message that implies that we are wrong. Just as those middle class New Yorkers thought it was a black man robbing a white guy in that picture. We will do the same. So Jesus rejects himself. He is showing himself who he is. And yet we will say, well, I don't know. Those who walked around the cross that day, they saw Jesus. They had seen and heard of his miracles, his wonders and his signs. They knew who this Jesus was. They saw this Jesus and they saw the sign above him that said the king of the Jews. There was a correct description there. Jesus was, was staring them in the face and yet they refused to believe. The Messiah himself was hanging on that cross and, and, and saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He's looking down. He's presenting himself. The power of God is emanating there and yet they choose not to see reality right in front of them. I'm afraid that we do the same today. Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords, and yet we'll put him on the back burner. We'll put him to the side. We know who he is. He, he shows us who he is in many different kinds of examples. But if it doesn't square with what I want it to square with in my little religious box, we close him out. And we start labeling those that, that, that don't believe in our same little boxes as heretics or or this, that, or the other, because we won't encompass him in this set of rules and regulations, he must not be God, or they must not believe in God. Folks, let me tell you this morning, my God is Lord of Lords, King of Kings, and he does what he chooses to do on that throne. And he sits and he shows himself to you and I. If he wants to, 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 to bring a, uh, an incredible work of the Spirit in a place, he can. If he chooses to move on because those folks are unbelieving, he can do that as well. Whatever my God chooses is his choice, and it is I that has to trust him, not him trusting in me. Jesus was and is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He chose to die on that cross, regardless whether that fits your, your particular picture or not. So many people, I have to work my way. I have to earn that salvation. Folks, it may seem that way. Our pride tells us that there's nothing for nothing, that something has to be given. Our pride tells us I have to earn this or I have to earn that. My God said that if you believe in me, that I am the Son of God and that I died and rose again and resurrected and ascended to the right hand of God the Father, and you profess that with your heart, believe it in your mind, and giving your heart is about me and your lordship, me, I, me being your Lord, God says, and then shall you be saved. It may not square with what you want, but it's still God saying who he is. 
The Bible records it, the cross reveals it, and eternity is, is reinforced that Jesus Christ is king. Whether that fits your picture of who he is supposed to be or not doesn't change the fact. When he hung on that cross, he was, is, and will always be God. He is the Messiah, he is the Christ. Another thing we can see in that picture is a criminal's desperation. You know, the one criminal, he, he, he's hanging there and in verse 39, and, and, he, and he looks over. And you could kind of put the criminal in the doubter category, but I believe more the, the, the statement better would be the, the, they showed his desperation. He looks over to Jesus and, and all the others in the crowd, if you remember, they were saying, if, if you are who you say you are, then save yourself. Yet, what does he say? If you are who you say you are, save yourself and us. If you're really God, then save yourself and me. In other words, he was desperate to get down off that cross. If you really are God, then get me out of this situation that I've gotten myself into. He, he doesn't like the fact that he's hanging on that cross, so he sees Jesus and says, hey, if you say who you are really who you say you are, then, then get me down out of here. In other words, there was doubting, but he also wanted to, just in case, throw his little caveat in there to, hey, get me down from here. Many times people today will go, will find themselves in hopeless situations for whatever the reason, that they've done things that has led them into a position that they are in a, a place they're just crying out right now. This doesn't mean they really believe in Christ. doesn't mean when they say, oh God, they really believe in God. They just want out of the situation. They still doubt that Jesus is Lord. They're just throwing it out there because, hey, this might be the key that gets me out of this. If we find ourselves in a desperate situation, folks, whatever it may be, you still have to believe that Jesus Christ is Lord of your life and make Him Lord of your life for Him to answer and hear those prayers. Just because you say, oh God, doesn't mean that He's going to immediately remove you from the circumstance that you've allowed yourself to get into. He might, but more than likely not. This thief on the cross, he doubted him. If you are who you say you are, in other words, I don't really believe this, but if you are, come down off the cross. Oh, and, and get me with you. Take me with you. Lord, if you'll just get me through this. Do I really know who Jesus is? No. I, I, I just went off the cross. I, I, I just want out of this desperate situation. Now, in turn, it also reveals the other thief, it, it, uh, well, actually, it reveals their damnation, too. You see where they're at. It, you know, the, the other criminal pointed out they were there for, the, for just causes. The other criminal says, why are you, why are you mocking him? We, we are here because of our just reward. We did bad, we, do, we get bad. What he's saying is what you, det- what you do on earth is going to determine what happens later as well. But he looks to the Lord and says, Father, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He's saying, I, I, I know I'm getting what I deserve here. But when you come into your kingdom, will you remember? See, there's a spiritual realm that operates in the same way. What we do on this earth is going to be manifested in the spiritual realm. And this thief was showing that. I'm getting my consequences to what I deserve. But will you remember me when we get into that spiritual realm? These men together, they they weren't going to hell because they were thieves. They were going to hell because they hadn't trusted in the Lord. Both of them, if they were headed down that pathway... Because they hadn't trusted Christ. You know, two men, one man can get up every morning and, and get himself ready and go to work and, 
and supply for his family and do everything. He is an asset to society and do everything right and raise his children. Another man can, can get up and go out and become a serial murderer and just a, a, a detriment to society. When they both die, you know what? They're both going to go to a devil's hell. Well, why would, why would the good one go and the bad one? That's not fair because neither one of them knew Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter how good you are or how bad you are. It's do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That thief on the cross, one says, hey, just get me out of here. The other one says, I don't deserve to get out of here. But will you remember me when you come into your kingdom? In other words, I believe who you say you are. And I'm getting my just rewards, my consequences for my actions here. Just remember me on the other side. Folks, we need to understand that what these thieves were saying that day, what was going on in their minds, what was being presented, one was showing his doubt, ah, he's not the Lord, and the other was accepting responsibility for his actions and saying, on the other side of glory. Every one of us is born on a pathway that leads to a devil's hell. The only way to receive eternal life is to stop and believe in Jesus and ask forgiveness of our sins and say, Father, forgive me and come into my life. You know, we all know John 3.16. We, we, we memorized John 3.16 you know, since we were little guys. But what about John 3.17 and 18? You hardly ever, some people don't ever even read it because they stop at 3.16. But you know what it says? It says, for God sent his son into the world not to condemn the world, so, but though that the world might be saved. That was the whole reason why he sent him. And he said, he who believes in him shall not be condemned. But he who does not believe. Here's the biggie. This is crucial. This is John 3.18. You can go back and, and, and read this later. He who does not believe in him is condemned. Already, he is condemned. But he who does believe, he who is saved, he who is trusted, he who has put his faith in Christ, because he has believed, he'll be saved. Hallelujah. But it says, he who has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God is already condemned. We need to not stop at 3.16. 3.16 is a good verse. Hallelujah. But if you leave out 17 and 18, it gives people this false sense of security that, oh yeah, I have this knowledge here. I'm saved now. Nope, if you don't believe here, you're condemned. That thief on the cross, the one that said, well, if you are the Son of God, and save yourself and save me, that wasn't an act of, of, of submission. That was not a, I believe. But the other one who said, Father, will you, will you remember me when you come into your kingdom? So the cross, it, it reveals doubters. It reveals the description of the Lord. It reveals uh, the criminal's desperation. It reveals damnation. It reveals a, a, a criminal's desire. When he said, Father, remember me when you come into this kingdom. But it also reveals what Christ had to say to him. He said unto me, I, and he said to him, I assure you today, you'll be with me in paradise. Folks, this man's desire was, to, was when he stood before Jesus in heaven that God would say, this is mine. The only way Jesus is going to remember you and I is if we, when we stand before him in heaven is if we stand for him here on this earth as well. When we acknowledge, just like Rembrandt did, that I am part of the reason why he had to hang on that cross. When I acknowledge that I am a sinner, 
in need of grace. When I acknowledge that, that, that there are many doubters, both in the world and in the church, when I acknowledge I may be one and stop and say, this is what I believe. When I stop and say, I choose to come unto Jesus and believe that He died for my sins. When I stop and say that I choose not only that He died for my sins, but that if I put my faith in Him, that He will wash me, cleanse me, make me clean. I don't have to earn my way into heaven. There's no way I could ever earn my way into heaven. But when I stop and realize He has already paid the price and say, Father, forgive me, then I can be saved. Jesus said to that thief, this day you shall be with me in paradise. What does the cross reveal? Far more than just a piece of jewelry. Far more than an elaborate tattoo on someone's back. Far more than a pretty illustration or a painting such as Rembrandt made. When we go to the cross, we see Jesus. The cross reveals the doubters. It reveals the It reveals who Christ is. It reveals the damnation for our sins. But most of all, it reveals mercy. I could preach a gazillion messages. I could preach on doctrinal things such as, as Bob did such a fine job of this morning. But the number one thing I think I could ever speak to was spoken to most eloquently by two pieces of wood being nailed together. And as the mercy of Jesus Christ. The biggest thing revealed through that cross to you and I is that my Lord said, I'm not coming down. I'm going to hang right here. And Paul tells us that he finished it. That he hung there to the death. Obedient unto death. To purchase our souls. But see, we were bought with a price. Not a price that could be paid of this earth but with the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, you may be sitting here this morning and say, Pastor, you know all these things you're saying, I've heard all this before. And you may have. But what good is it if you heard it and you never let it move fully into your heart and one day you stand before the Lord and say, I went to church. Yeah, I knew about the cross. I just, you know, you never really gave me that sign to let me know you really were on that cross. You never showed me that you really died for me. Yes, I heard those messages, but you never gave me that sign. The sign you may be asking for would seal your fate in the devil's hell. Why not just stop and trust him? That he is whom he says that he is. After that man called out to Jesus, Jesus assured him of his final destination. And I would submit to you this morning that if you will go to the Lord and say, Father, I am a sinner in need of your grace. And I want you to remember me when I, when I come into your glory. When I come into your kingdom. See, the question is, do you know him? Well, pastor, you end every sermon that way. I do. But I pray that it doesn't just become a redundant question to you, but you'll stop and actually ask yourself, do I know him? Because if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, folks, the watchman on the wall, the, the time is drawing nigh. You're not given every day to make this decision. I mean, you are every day you have breath, praise God. Why not make it now rather than later? Do you know him? If I was to ask you this day, do you know that if you died where you would spend eternity, can you say positively that you'd stand in the presence of Jesus Christ? 
And if not, I would ask you to get on your knees in prayer. Get on your knees and ask the Lord to move in your life. And you're here this morning, you may say, I do know him. I do believe he is who he said he is. I'm still going to ask you, do you know him? Because the more you know him, the more that you draw on to him, the closer you get to him, the more your life will reflect him. Both to you and to those around you. The cross reveals many things. But the two that I want to draw attention to is it, draw, it reveals mercy and it reveals and it, and it, and it reveals itself to what happens to those who doubt, who don't believe that he is whom he said he was. Which one of those have you fallen into? We all, at one point, did not believe. But once you believe and are washed with that mercy, you move from eternal damnation to eternal salvation. Which camp are you in this morning? Jesus answered the thief and said, This day you shall be with me in paradise. I don't desire that any of us are going to be with him today in paradise, unless that's what he so chooses. Or he may come to the, in the next few minutes and all of us go in paradise. But whatever it is, can you make that decision and that choice right now? Can you make that decision to choose life over death? James, can you cut that out, buddy? That's really grabbing my attention. Can you choose Christ before it's too late? It's your choice, your decision. I can't make it for you. And you may be saying this morning, well, I've heard this sermon a million times. I'm just going to go and have lunch. Stop. Let God speak it to you. Hear it one more time. We sing a song, how we love to tell the story. May it never grow old. I'm getting bits of the verses in my head. I can't get the whole thing together right now, but, but we should never get tired of singing the old, old story. May we continue to do so. Let's stand. I want to lead us in a word of prayer. If God is speaking to you this morning, if you're here, I don't care if you've been in church your whole life, guys. If you never truly accepted the Lord, I promise that the people will rejoice when you come to know him. And if there, are, if there is someone who tries to point a finger or something like that, my God will take care of that. You trust the Lord. Don't worry about what people think. Don't worry about what people are going to say. What is the cross revealing unto you this day? Who knows? It may be revealing something new to you that I've never even thought of. That'd be a neat thing for you to share. Maybe go on our Facebook or website and share. Hey, this is what the cross reveals to me. I don't know. But I hope most of all it reveals Jesus Christ. For you this morning. Father God, I come before you and just, just ask that as we look at this story in the book of Luke that we've looked at so many times. When we look at the doubters that were proclaiming, wanting a sign. When we look at those who hung beside him, one wanting just to be taken out of his situation, the other truly surrendering his heart to you. God, let us see 
each one of us individually, where we stand. What camp are we standing in? Have we truly accepted you? Are we still looking for that sign? God, I pray your will to be done in the hearts of your people this day, whether they're in a sanctuary, whether they're listening to the YouTube, to the radio, to a podcast. May everyone who hears my voice hear your voice, and may they choose life before it's too late. As you said in Hebrews, he who believes shall be saved, but he who does not is already condemned. May your will be done in the hearts of your people this day, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. If God's speaking to you, this altar will be open. I'd love to pray with you. You can pray right where you're at. But guys, I promise you, if something was to happen to you, you stood before the Lord right now, you can't say that you didn't know. You cannot go before Christ and say, I didn't realize that you want me to believe in the cross. He's not going to buy it. He knows you know. It's your choice and decision now what to do with it. In Jesus' name, as we sing this morning, guys. Guys, if God's speaking to you, if he is, if he is trying to move through you, then you need to listen to what he has to say. Even with the babies running around right now, I know that's not normal during an invitation time, but that's not an excuse. If you stand before the Lord one day, you can't say, well, the baby's around. I was going to wait till next week. <laughs> Not going to fly. Not going to fly. Do what God's called you to do when he tells you to do it and just trust him and watch what he can do. Isn't it great we serve a mighty God and he knows what's best if we just trust him. Amen? Amen. Well, praise the Lord. It's good seeing everybody this morning. I praise God for each one of you. Again, let me remind you, on, we have our Thursday nights every week. We... Uh, this past Thursday night, it was a, a light sermon. I just preached on the, how the, the heavens declare his name. And it's, it's awesome to think about how the heavens do declare his name. But isn't it great that we can declare it also? And he said, if you choose not to, the very rocks will cry out. Why not let the Holy Spirit move in you this week? And let's declare him wherever we go. Amen? Amen. Tonight, we're in our, our Revelation study. I encourage you to come out tonight. We're in the... Church of Phygerium, the third church, I can say it when I have it in front of me, Phygerium, I think it is, but anyway, that the third church, I want to encourage you, if you want to come to our Bible study this evening, that's where we're at in the book of Revelation, come on out, we're having a great study, but most of all, guys, take Christ wherever you go, tell others about him, especially, we're seeing all the commercials and things for the 30 days of Halloween and Fright Fest and all that stuff. Remind people, my God's bigger. Amen? Reminding my God's bigger. Hallelujah. Good seeing everybody today. Praise the Lord for each one of you. Keep looking up. Brother Stormy, will you close us in prayer today?
Father, help us to take advantage of the, the salvation that you provided when we couldn't earn our own. In Jesus' name, I pray. Hallelujah. Thank you, guys. Thank you.